So you can take your uh, Bibles and turn to Psalm 18, please. Psalm 18. And we'll start in verse 30. You get there. Psalm 18, verse 30, it says, As for God, his way is perfect. And somebody have a word of prayer. Um, that's really what we're going to look at today. God's way is perfect. And um, as you just think through the ramifications of that, uh, that God's way is perfect. And... You all know what perfect means. You know, it's without, this word is often translated without blemish, sound, wholesome, unimpaired, having integrity. Um, That's what God's way is. It's perfect. And then it says that the word of the Lord is tried. And that means it's refined, it's tested, it proves true. Um, He is a buckler or a shield to all those that trust in him. See, God's, God's way is perfect. Therefore, his Logically, his word has to be perfect as well. It's tried and tested. Every time you put God's word to the test, you're going to find that it's true. And so that's why he's a shield to those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is the rock save our God? You know, a rock is a place where you, something you can attach to and it's strength. It means power. It means stability and God is that rock for us. Uh, somebody once so beautifully said, you know, God's word is a, a rock in the sea of uncertainty, right? It's a solid rock, a solid foundation for us. And he says, it is God that girds me with strength and sets me upon my high places. Oh, sorry, it's God that girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. So God's word is perfect and he allows us to walk in a in the perfect way as we go to that word, as we learn his word and walk out upon it. Doesn't mean we do everything right, but it leads in that perfect way. Uh, and it says, He makes me my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. That's God's word and his way, his how, what he does in revealing his word to us, he makes known a perfect way for us to walk in. You're probably familiar, with, I'm sure you are, with Psalm 12, 6. You don't have to turn there, where it says, The words of the Lord are pure words. That's the same word, perfect. They're pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. God's word is purely, purely pure. It's 100% pure, seven times, spiritual perfection. It's absolutely pure. And when we get to that word, whenever we know God's word, we know it's 100% there for 100% reliable. In, in Proverbs 35, it, 30, verse 5, it says that every word of God is pure. You know, it just doesn't contain, the word of God doesn't just contain some pure words. It's every word. Every single word of God is pure. So if you start thinking through what this means, uh, what we hold in our hands in, when we have God's word, is extremely precious. It's priceless. Okay, it's absolutely a priceless 
article, this word of God that we hold in our hands. What a blessing is Grace was praying about all the people that have taught us God's word and that we have God's word to hold, that we've learned God's word. It's the most precious thing in our lives without any hesitation. It's the greatest thing that we could have been given. You know, when uh, when I was going to school, one of the types of tests I always loved was where they gave you a problem and they gave you the answer. And you had to prove how you got to get to the answer, uh, you know, starting with the problem. You had to prove how you put the steps all the way through the answer. I always loved that. Because you know, once you got to the answer, if you if you did everything, you you had the answer right. You know, you weren't going to be you were going to get it. You were going to get hundred percent on that question because you had you, you could get to the answer. Now, when we have promises in God's word, and God's word makes a promise, you know, for a problem that we might have a promise of deliverance for a, uh, we know God's word is absolutely true. That answer at the end of it all. That, you know, God is going to answer his word. It's going to be a true answer. You know, we, when, you, when you solve one of those problems, if you didn't get to the answer, you didn't doubt the, the person who gave you that problem. You didn't say, well, they, they must have gotten something wrong when they set up this question. And therefore, you know, there's no, this, this, you can't get to the solution. Well, we don't, we don't do that with God's word. While we're waiting for that answer to God's promise, we know it's certain. We know it's reliable. We just have to keep doing whatever it takes until we get that deliverance or whatever promise that God has given us. Of course, some promises are the future. We'll see them in the future. But there's promises every day for our lives. And we can be 100% assured that there is no problem with God. If I'm not receiving something, then I just have to keep doing what I know to do, to pray, to go to God for understanding, to study, to continue to do what I know to do, but I can be 100% assured there is absolutely no problem with God. He hasn't lied to me. He hasn't made a false promise to me. He hasn't said something to me that to frustrate me because I can't get to the answer. He has given me a true, a pure word, and therefore I just keep patiently wait for him to fulfill it. That's to me, that is just one of the most amazing things about God and his word, how faithful he is and how absolutely pure it is. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy This is the what's commonly known as the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. We're going to go to verse 1. And the reason God had um, Moses uh, teach this song to the children of Israel was because, um, well, let's go, uh, let's go to verse 29 of the previous chapter, and we'll read what it, why God had him. He says, For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. It was to remind them 
of how good God is. And if there's problems, it's not with God. Okay. And if they aren't getting deliverance, the problem is not with God. And this was this whole chapter is the song of that he used to remind Israel because he knew they were going to turn aside. And then that's what people do. They they don't get what you know, get certain answers, get things in their lives, and they naturally end up, they end up, well, it's not all the time, but sometimes people end up blaming God for it. And so in Deuteronomy 32, it says in verse 1, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain or the gentle rain upon the tender herb. And the edes, the showers upon the grass. You get a picture of that, that beautiful uh, field of green with just gentle dew falling on it. It's very, very verdant green, maybe like Ireland, you know. And it's got all the, it's this green with dew distilled on it. It's very, very gentle. God's word like that. That's what his doctrine is. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. That ascribe means you. Give him, give him greatness. Acknowledge that he is great. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment or just. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. All his ways are justice, just. God doesn't do anything unjust, unjust. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't make a promise. He doesn't lie. Every word of God is pure. His way is perfect. His works are perfect. Everything God ever did or will do or does today is perfect. Because that's God. That's who he is. So there's never a problem with God. I have lots of problems with me. You know, uh, I have problems with my thinking, my believing, whatever it might be, but there's absolutely never a question about God's part of the equation. His way is perfect. One of the look look at Romans chapter two. It's a Romans chapter two. Verse 11, it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. No respect of persons with God. In the context, you know, it's talking about God's judgment, and we just read that God is perfectly just in what he does. There is no partiality with God. Okay. Now, we people, we tend to be partial, right? We have preferences. We like certain people more than others. You know. I told Julie yesterday, I'm even a respecter of cats. I like one of our cats better than another. But with God, there is absolutely no partiality. When he makes a promise to you, or he makes a promise to me, or he makes a promise to the Apostle Paul, or to Moses, or to Jesus Christ, or to anybody, God doesn't show partiality. That's, if you start, if you think it all the way through, this whole thing through, you will see that this is an amazing truth about God. See, we as people tend to be partial. And, and even people will think, well, that person will hear an answer to prayer because look at his or her life. But not to me. But you see, that's not, that's not the way God is. 
it's his promises to me and to you are exactly the same. He's not going to show partiality. So when we want, we're waiting to receive something from God, we know we're on equal footing. You know, we're equal footing with the greatest men and women in the Bible that live because God is no respecter of persons. In Colossians 3, these are just some of the some of how God's ways are perfect. The more you get to know our Creator, our Heavenly Father, the more you realize how just absolutely wonderful He is. He can do no wrong. Um, he can say no wrong. He can never do anything that is, you know, that you have to wonder about. That why, you know, it's just I may not understand what happened. But there is absolutely no wrongdoing from God's point, you know, from as, as far as God is concerned. There is nothing wrong that God ever does. His way is perfect. In Colossians 3.22, it says, Servants, obey in all, your, all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, or the reward associated with the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. You know, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to look at one person, oh, you, were, you had a better education, or you did this differently, or you know, you're a better looking person, or you were this, and therefore I'm going to treat you differently. No, it's going to be no respect of first. Everybody's going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ on an equal footing. It's going to be just your work. Okay, does it, is it built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Does it, you know, here you go, here's your reward. You know, oh, you're Moses? Oh, you get a different, you know, get a different treatment. No, no, it's just going to be the same treatment for everybody because there is no respect of persons with and that is hard for us to take. We tend to respect people even in a positive way. Like, oh, that person certainly is better than, more deserving than I am of such and such. But no, no, not before God, see. Um, look at Psalm 19. Verse 7, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Speaking about his word, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting or restoring the soul. You know, when you somebody's maybe you give a mouth to mouth resuscitation, they're dying, you know, maybe they swallow too much water and they get revived. That's what the Word of God does. It's perfect. It restores, it revives us, resuscitates us, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Okay, true and righteous altogether. 
more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, these commandments, statutes, law, judgments, all these things, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You get blessings in this life and in the life to come when you walk in that perfect word of God. What a valuable, what a valuable, priceless thing we have here when we have God and we know God and his word. We have perfection. We hold perfection. Uh, when we get to God's word, we're seeing perfection. We're seeing perfect in every way. If you look at Luke's, go to Luke 16. Verse 16 says, Jesus Christ speaking here, he says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is easier, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fall. Okay. A tittle was just like a little ornament that was put on the, you know, the Hebrew alphabet letters. For example, when we cross a T, that's that's a little tiny, a little thing that you put on a T to make it into a T. It's a little tiny thing, and and basically it just means that not even the minutest thing in God's law will will uh, will perish. It will absolutely come to true. Not even the minutest thing will fail, fall to the ground. When it comes to God's word, okay, and it's you know what Jesus Christ said: every even it's easier for the heaven and earth to pass. Think about how much it takes to it would take to move the earth away from its orbit. Forget about heaven, but think about just the earth itself. You know, if you're moving a pile of dirt, that's a lot of work, and for the earth to pass is easier than for God's word to be not fulfilled. Okay. It's easier. It, it, it's yeah. let's just read it again. It is easier from from what Jesus Christ said for heaven and earth to pass than one title of the law to fail. Okay, tittle of the one little tittle of the law to fail. That tells you how absolutely immovable, how absolutely perfect, pure God and God's ways are, and God's word is. It just cannot fail. It just cannot fail. Every single promise God makes cannot fail. And you you know, you have to stop and think about these things. When we come to God's word, we do not want to put our thinking and bring it down to our level of thinking, you know, because we see men's promises fail. We see people uh, people's words fail. We see our own words fall to the ground. That's what that word fail literally means, fall to the ground. You know, we make a promise, we utter something out, and then for one reason or another, we can't fulfill it. Uh, and then 
our words have just fallen to the ground because we just were not able to carry them out. Well, God's words never fall to the ground. They just will 100% are 100% faithful every single time. That's why when we go to God's word, you know, um, when you go to God's word, you know there can't have any contradictions in it. Because if it had a contradiction, then that's God, that's a failure on God's part. So if we find things, that's why we always call them apparent contradictions. Because it's just some lacking in either our understanding or translation or whatever the cause may be. But it's not because God's word has a flaw. That's why we can go to God's with, with such confidence until we get that understanding. Now, let's go to James chapter 1. James 1, verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of God, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. See, every perfect gift, God the perfect Father who gives his perfect word, who does perfect work, gives us perfect gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. You know what that means, right? God is not a different God one day and a different God a different day. He's not a different God in the Old Testament versus what he is in the New Testament. He's an unchanging God. He does not make his promises and then change his mind. Uh, he doesn't deliver one day and then refuse to deliver a different day. He doesn't deliver one person and refuse to deliver another person. You know, so there's no variableness in God. He's absolutely rock solid. And then it says, neither shadow of turning. You know, when you move a, a lamp in a room, if you pick up a lamp and move it, you'll see the shadows move around, don't you? Because the light source is moving, you see the shadows in the room move around. Well, and, and also when the earthly you know, sun goes through, the earth sky throughout the day, you see the shadow change. That's how people used to tell time, right? With the hour, uh, with the sundial, because the sun is moving. Well, God is not like that. He's a light, but it's an immovable light. There's no shifting shadow with him. He's that reliable. You see, it's hard for us to get our mind around that because we see so much imperfection. Uh, in our lives, in our thinking, in our in our own selves, you know, and things around us. But God is none of those things. He is absolutely perfect in everything he does, and he gives us perfect gifts from above. And we're going to finish off in uh, Romans chapter 12.
See, there cannot be any contradictions in God's word because that would make God variable. Because he said one thing here, something else there. There can be no uh, faults in God's word. There can be no faults in the things God does or how he does them, even if I don't understand it. It says in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And as Raj taught last week, God has been very merciful to us, right? Uh, The mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world or age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's word is perfect, therefore, obviously, his will has to be perfect. And God's word encourages us to be to serve, but then it says, and don't be conformed to this age. This age, in Galatians tells us, is an evil age. And there's a God of this age who presents information to us that is evil. Okay. And and that information often is is in not often, it's in stark contrast to God's word. You know, it is something that puts doubt in people's minds about God's word. The first thing the, you know the 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 two ma- the two major temptations or lies that the adversary told in the garden was you, you shall not surely die and then you shall be as gods knowing good and evil okay and so since then people decide what is good and evil they have been making up their minds what is good and evil they've decided what god is like and what god isn't like all kinds of things and that's because we live in an evil age with e- bad information but we know the source of truth, right? We know where purity of information lies. It's in God's word. So it says, so instead of being conformed to this evil age, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove unto your own proving what is that good and acceptable means well-pleasing and perfect will of God. The more we carry out God's will, the the more we realize how absolutely perfect his way is his way is always better now notice it doesn't say good and perfect and easy will of god okay it's not always easy to carry out god's will as you well know jesus christ when he was in the garden did not he did not want to die he did not want to go he he asked god if there was another way was it easy for him to give his life on the cross Definitely not. It was not easy. But it was God's perfect will. See, It was God's perfect will and Jesus Christ carried it out. And now he's exalted to God's right hand. Nobody higher except God than him. He found out that, yeah, it didn't look great. And in fact, when he was on the cross, people said, well, you saved others. Why not save yourself? would have been so tempted to think, well, look at my circumstances. They're so bad. Maybe God's word isn't true. Yes, I did heal somebody. I raised Lazarus from the dead. I ra- and here I am on the cross suffering this way. Maybe God's word isn't true. It would have been, te- it would have been easy for him to say those, temp- be tempted to think those things, but he knew it was God's will to do it. It wasn't easy, 
but it was good, perfect, and acceptable. And when he carried it out and God raised him from the dead, he got to enjoy the things that God had promised him. See. So when we carry, same with us, we can, we can know that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect because we, God's way is perfect. Now, we may not understand where the perfection lies when we look at the circumstances. We may not understand what all is going on, but that doesn't mean God's will is not perfect. And it's not, and that doesn't mean it's the best, what we should carry out. So people will tend to lower God's word and his ways down to their level. And, and if they don't see things coming to pass, they'll find fault with the things of God or his word or his promises to try to lower them to fit their understanding of the world around them and what they see and observe. And that is a very dangerous place to go. Because even if I don't understand it, I know his way is perfect. Even if I don't understand why such and such a thing happened, I know his way is perfect. And that's what I will cleave to. See, anytime we start doubting God's word, we're on slippery, slippery soil. Uh, or try to figure it out on our own, why things didn't work. Never a problem with God. Maybe I don't understand why, but his way is perfect. His, wor- his word is perfect. His works are perfect. He executes perfect justice. And in the ages to come, he will show his perfection in all of its glory. His son, Jesus Christ, was perfect. Because God's ways are 100% pure and perfect. So let's rely on that and let's just cleave to his word. And let's not bring it down to our level, but raise ourselves up to recognize the perfection of God in his word. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us such a marvelous, priceless, precious thing that we hold in our hands when we read your word, Father. Thank you for protecting and preserving your word throughout the centuries and generations so that we have it today. And Father, thank you for guarding and protecting that word and that you are faithful to your promises. And help us to rise up to the level of that word, Father rise up to the greatness of it and believe it every single day. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.